Good morning, everybody. As I said at the first service we had, it's good to be here. I hope that you think the same thing. I always love to come together and be with brethren because you help me worship God. That's what you do. I love to sing the songs, beautiful songs this morning that we've sung, and uh, open God's book and glean the treasures that are found therein, make petition unto him in prayer. What could be better than that? And then to remember the Lord's death until he comes. I'm sure Malvern is a good place to be, but I'm from Van Buren's where I'm from. That's all right. I saw some people over here grinning. That, that's fine. <laughs> that's all right. I may need to move there. Who knows? Anyway, I'm from Van Buren, and the church here supports me there, and I really appreciate that very much. When I was in college at Florida, we, we were in a quartet, and we were invited to sing sometimes behind some of the great names at that particular time. We were invited to sing on the Grand Ole Opry. I don't know whether you knew that or not. That's been a long time ago. But we backed up some of the great singers at that particular time, and I remember one particular lady grand lady by the name of Minnie Pearl. I don't know whether any of you remember anything about that or not. But she was a grand lady, and I remember we were on that, and we were backing up Raw Rogers and Dale Evans and some of the rest of them at that time. And we were really petrified to be there. There was a crowd out there of about 10,000 people in that thing, and here we were on stage. We didn't sing any solos. We just backed them up is what we did. But I remember Minnie Pearl. She she was such a, a good person to us. She treated us like we were her children. But one of the things Minnie Pearl always would say on television was, I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm not Minnie Pearl, but I'm glad to be here. I really am glad to be here. One of the things sometimes that we hear in life is that there's, neither, there's not any right or wrong. Just whatever you think is right is all right for you to do. If it feels good, do it. I talked about that a little bit this morning. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing the book of Philippians, said that it's right to think a certain way. Now, I realize he was talking about thinking of them, but he said it's right for me to think this way. The Bible's just opposite the way the world thinks from time to time. You know, the world's always in competition with those who are children of God. Because the world would like for us to follow its way because that's where Satan dwells. Satan walks to and fro upon the earth, we're told in the book of Job. But the Lord tells us that there are certain things that we should do. There are certain things that are right. And of course, if there are certain things that are right, there are also certain things that are wrong. But when the apostle Paul was writing to them, he was talking about it's right for me to think. When we walk in the right way, in a spiritual sense, before individuals who are honest and looking for what's right. We don't have to apologize for that. One of the great things of doing what's right is you don't ever have to apologize for doing right. But if you do wrong, you have to do that from time. I was wrong about that. I'm sorry about that. And sometimes when you tell a person that, they'll look at you in the way they used to, and sometimes they'll hold it against you, won't they? Not Christians, but people will. And they'll never forget what you did because you did what was wrong. But if you do what's right, you don't have to apologize. You don't have to make excuses for doing what is right. Or you don't have to give an explanation to justify that you're doing these things in the sight of the Lord. Because when somebody says, why do you do this, James? You said, because that's what the Lord says. 
Why do I come to the assembly? Because the Lord, through the apostle, writing to the Hebrews, said, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's right for us to come together and worship. Why do I sing? Because it's right to sing praises unto the Lord and to make melody in my heart to the Lord. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. So when someone says, why do I worship the Lord? I tell them because it's the right thing to do and I want to do it in the sight of the Lord. But he told me to do it, so it's right to do it because God doesn't tell us to do something wrong. He doesn't tempt anybody to do evil. God doesn't do that. God doesn't lie. You're aware of that if you've studied the Bible very long. You're aware of that. It's right to attend Bible study, whether it's in a public atmosphere or maybe in your home. It's right to study the Bible. It's right to study, to present ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. It's right to do that. The old King James uses the word study there when Paul was talking to Timothy. The newer translations say give diligence. In other words, you put yourself into it. It's right to do that. Well, let me suggest some things to you that are right to do. Besides the ones we've already talked about. It's right to worship God. And someone says, James, why is it right to worship God? Because He is our Creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for God. In Him we live and we move and have our very being. The Apostle said, the Apostle Paul said in Acts 17, When he's speaking to a group of people about who God really is, he said, in him we live and move, have our very being. In fact, he spoke to these people who had a lot of idols out there. They had a lot of structures, and they had one that was to an unknown God. They were trying to cover all the bases, weren't they? That's what they were trying to do. And then to this unknown God, Paul said, this is the one I'm going to set forth unto you, the God that made the world and all things therein. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hand. Seeing he himself gives it all life and breath and all things. In him we live and move and have our very being. So it's right to worship God. There's a right thing to do. When Paul said it's right to think, it's right to think about God. And you would say, well, of course that's right, James. We wouldn't be here this morning if we weren't doing it. But it's the right thing to do. You don't do it just because somebody told you to do it or because elders are going to come and see you if you don't do that or because the preacher may be going to get on to you if you don't do that or because mother and dad say you need to come. You come because it's the right thing to do. Is that right, young people? Do you come because it's the right thing to do? Sure you do. Are you, why are you sitting there? Why aren't you sitting at the back where you can talk all the time? Because it's the right thing to do. That's why. That's why you're doing it. It's the right thing to do, to worship God. He made the world. He made all things in it. I couldn't live if it were not for God. So I'm going to give praise to God. It's the right thing to do. You know, it's the right thing also to watch our speech. Bible right is always right, folks. It always right, is right. It's right to watch our speech also, to be careful about what we say, to think before we speak. Have you ever had somebody say to you, well, I didn't think before I said that, but really you did. (laughs) Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You thought it somewhere enough. Maybe you didn't think long enough. Maybe you didn't contemplate it enough, but it wouldn't have come out of your mouth if it hadn't been in here first. So it's right for us to think, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to think about this before I say it. 
Sometimes as a preacher, we get to preaching so fast and so on, we wish we got through and listened to ourselves, don't we, Mark, and wish we'd have said it a different way. That happens to us from time to time. But it's right to watch our speech. In Matthew 5, verses 33 through 37, Jesus Christ was talking about that. And he said, don't swear falsely. He was telling his, those people who followed him, you can't do that. Don't swear falsely. Don't do, do those kind of things. Don't swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black. Black, he said, but let your yes be yes and your nay be nay. For whatsoever is more than these is of the evil one. Be careful what you say. Be careful the words you use. People come from all walks of life and obey the gospel, don't they? Sometimes a person who's lived maybe a harsh life or a hard life, and he was been, been one who would curse and swear and say things that a child of God ought not to swear, and then he obeys the gospel, and over a period of time, he quits talking like that. Those things are no longer a part of his vocabulary. He doesn't think about those. Maybe at first when he obeys the gospel, he slips from time to time. But he said, I ought not to say that. It's not right for me to say it. There's a right for, way for me to talk. And the right for, way for me to talk is to talk in the way the Lord would have me to walk. It's right for us to follow the Lord. I talked about that a little bit this morning in our first assembly. It's right for us to follow the Lord. The apostle Peter said, he is our example or in sample, depending on the translation you use, that we should walk in His steps. It's right to walk in the steps of the Lord. It's right to follow the apostles. The apostle Paul said, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. It's right to follow Paul. The things you received and learned and heard and saw in me, these things do. And why is it right? And the God of peace shall be with you. Why is it right to follow God? Because the God of peace shall be with you. It's right to follow the right example. It's right to obey the parents. It's right to obey our parents as they're trying to, to work with us as children and bring us up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as the father does that. As the mother, as she explains to children, as she works with as the grandmother does from time to time. You remember what the apostle Paul said to Timothy? He said, I know that you have this faith in you. I persuade you have this faith in you. Why, Timothy? Because it first dwelt in your grandmother and then in your mother. And now I'm persuaded it's in you also. That's what the Apostle Paul said. You have a faith that first of all dwelt in your grandmother. What did grandmother do? Well, I suppose she did a lot like my grandmother. She would sit at my bed when I'd go to bed and I was a little boy then. And she would read passages of Scripture. But the, you know the thing I remember about Browsey, I mentioned her this morning. The thing I remember about her is not only reading passages of Scripture, she could quote a lot of Scripture, but I remember her singing the songs to me. I remember that. I've not forgotten that. That was grandmother, and she's been gone a long time. But I remember with fondness what she did. And then I remember my mother, as sweet as she was, and she's gone too. And I remember her sitting at my bed, and sometimes she'd help me with that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That was my mother. So what we learn from that is that fathers don't provoke their children to wrath, but they bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And why should we listen to them? Why should we give honor to them? 
Why should we think that it's right for them to speak? Because if they train us in the way that we should go when we're old, we'll not turn from it. Now, I realize sometimes children turn away from what they've learned. But sometimes when they get old, what happens? I remember what mom said. I remember what dad said. And I've known a lot of people as they've gotten older, maybe they, in their teenage years, they were <laughs> kind of hard to get along with. But as they get older and as they mature, what happens to them is they remember, I remember that. I remember that class teacher I had. I remember some of the best teachers I had in high school. I remember a lady that everybody didn't like. She was an English teacher. They didn't like her because she made you do the work. If you're going to get the grade, you had to do the work. But I want to tell you something today. I remember her with fondness. She taught me to say a lot of the things I say today in the right way, in English. She taught English. I don't know whether they teach English anymore in school, but they taught English then. And I remember all those kind of things. I remember her. Of all the teachers I had in high school, she's the one teacher I remember. Because she taught us to say the right things and write the right things in English. Well, we ought to remember the Apostle Paul because he walked. Paul said, if you follow me, you'll follow Christ. That's what he said. Follow me as I also follow Christ. Or the older translation says, imitate me. Be like I am. And you'll follow Jesus Christ. But it's also right to control our temper. That's another thing. Right? Bible right is always right when we control our temper. One of the things this great apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4 was, Be ye angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Think about, we talked about words, didn't we? Think about what you're going to say. Words are so important, folks. We can put words down on a, in a book and it lasts for a long, long time. God knew that. He put those words down in this book, didn't he? He put these words down in this book and we learn those words and then we study those words. In fact, the apostle Paul told Timothy, till I come give heed to reading. Let me ask you something, folks. You don't have to hold up your, hold up your hand. How many of you read the Bible every day? How many of you think about picking up God's word and reading it every day? Well, maybe you don't have to because you've got it all memorized, but how many of us really pick up the Word of God and peruse upon the divine pages every day? You think it would be good to do that? Yes, it would, wouldn't it? It would be good to do that. The more we peruse upon the divine writ, the more we'll know about the Lord. When Peter was writing the first book that bears his name, 1 Peter, he said, as newborn babes long for the spiritual milk that is without guile. Long for it. Have a great desire for it. We've all seen babies, and babies cry. Sometimes they cry in the auditorium, and mom gets a little embarrassed, and she wonders what she, and she's trying real hard to work with the child and so on. But one of the reasons they cry is because they need something. <laughs> and they long for it, don't they? In fact, they long for it long enough, we finally put something in their mouth to stop it, don't we? That's what we do. They long for it. They long for it. They have a desire for it. That's part of being a baby. Well, that's what Peter's talking about. As newborn babes, as if we're newborn babes. In fact, he was speaking to people who are already children of God. And I assume they'd been for a while. But he says to those people, you ought to think as a newborn baby, and you ought to long for the spiritual milk that was without guile. 
that you may grow thereby. And later on, he said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There comes a time, folks, and I was talking about that in our first assembly. There comes a time that we've grown so much in the faith of the Lord that it becomes automatic for us to serve the Lord with every fiber of our being. And that's the right thing to do. Bible right is always right. And young people, don't you let some teacher or somebody else tell you that things are not right, that there's no such thing as a right. We live in a day and age because the world is what it is, that the world wants to tell us it doesn't make any difference. There's no right. Just whatever you want to do is okay. But that's not necessarily so if you want to go to heaven when you die. We have to do the things that are right in the sight of the Lord. And that simply means it's right. Bible right is always right. It's right for us to practice self-control. In this Bible class in here, they were talking about sin today. And one of the things a person has to do, because sin is pleasurable. If it weren't fun, if it weren't enjoyable, people wouldn't do it. But there's a right way to control that that temptation. There's a right way to control that concept of, of wanting pleasure. And one of the ways that Solomon tells his son to do it, you walk by on the other side. Don't get close to it. My, my wife used to get on to me because we'd go to my, like Devil's Den State Park or someplace like that and I would get out there as close as I could to the edge. said, don't get there. Just like I do sometimes here and catch my heels there so I don't fall off. Well, if I weren't here, I wouldn't fall off. I was holding media in Amarillo not long ago. Sure enough, I got too far and I just stepped right out into the audience. Wasn't on the moon one great step for mankind. It wasn't that. I stepped right out into the audience. Well, that wouldn't happen if I get back here, will it? I can't fall off back here. So the idea is, folks, if we don't want to sin, the first thing to do is don't even get close to it. When Solomon was talking to his son, said she may smell good and she may have a nice bed and she may have all this and she may tell you that you ought to come, but you stay away from her. Don't even go close to her house. That's how we keep from sinning, folks. And if we keep from doing it long enough, just like that person I was talking about who used to curse, if we keep from doing it long enough, we don't want to do it anymore. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, the, the apostle said. The closer we get to God, the further away we get from the world, folks, in the spiritual sense. There's a right way to live. In fact, in 2 Peter 1, the Apostle Peter said in verses 5 and 6, make every effort to add to your faith self-control. It takes effort to do that. I got on the scales not too long ago, and I weighed more than I wanted to weigh. Marty makes all those good things to eat and all that kind of thing. And I said, I just can't eat that anymore. I've got to lose some pounds. I've got to lose some weight. So what you do is you push that away, don't you? What you do is you say, I can't eat that, but I'll tell you what, it tastes good, and it sure does smell good. But I can't eat that. For one thing, it may not be good for me. One thing, it may, may cause bad health problems and all that kind of thing. So I don't eat that. Well, eventually, you get to where I'm not going to do it anyway. It gets easier to do, not do it. When I first started preaching, I would go into somebody's house and Sometimes they say, Brother Lutz, would you like a cup of coffee? Well, I didn't like coffee. I didn't drink coffee. 
But out of deference to them, I would take a cup of coffee and I would take sugar and just pour it in there. I didn't like the taste of that stuff. And finally, one lady said, Brother Lusby, and I, I got to where I realized Marty kept saying, that's not good for you to, to drink a, a cup of sugar with a little coffee in it. So what I'd do is I'd take a, a, a spoon and I would get into the sugar and I'd get a little piece right on here and I'd put it in there. And some good lady in the church said, Brother Lusby, if I didn't need any more sugar than that, I'd just quit drinking it. So I started drinking it black. Well, I developed a taste for it. And the more I drank, the better I liked it. And I got to where I liked it so well that I'd go to Starbucks and get me one of those coffees that when I first tried, I thought that's the worst tasting stuff I ever saw. That's what I'd do. You see, when we try things and do it long enough, we get used to those things. When we serve the Lord, we can get used to serving the Lord. It becomes a part of our make. And the taste is good to serve the Lord. That's the way it ought to be. It ought to be that the taste to serve the Lord is good and pleasurable to us. And that brings pleasure to us. But to do that, we have to practice self-control. Like Solomon told his son, walk by on the other side. That's what we have to do. It's right to be morally pure. It's right to do the things of the Lord. Bible right is always right. You remember what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 8? You know this passage. The Apostle Paul in speaking of the Philippians said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. Or one translation says, meditate on these things. It's interesting that the word meditate in the Hebrew literally means to mutter something. And when David was talking in Psalms, the first chapter, he talked about the blessed man is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. In other words, he's able to speak it. He talks it. He talks it. It becomes a part of his makeup. He might be driving down the road and he speaks a few words. He speaks the words of the Lord. He meditates on it. He's thought about it so long it becomes a part of his makeup. It's good to be morally pure. And parents, it's right to teach your children. I mentioned this a while ago. The grandmother, the, the mother, the father. Teaching their children so that when the children get old, they'll learn what they'll do and remember what they'll do. Train up your child in the way he should go. And if he accepts the training, when he is old, he'll not depart from it. That's the right thing to do. It's right to think about Jesus. We sang about that a little while ago, didn't we? We thought, thought, thought sung about Jesus, sang some songs about Why is it right to think about Jesus? Because he is also God. He is God. We're told in John 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But in the beginning was the Word. We know in Genesis 1 it was God, but we also from, know from John 1 and verse 1 that it was the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm sure you're aware of the fact that in Genesis 1 and verse 1, that word God is plural. It means more than one. And we read about God being the planner and Jesus Christ being the Word and the Holy Spirit moving on the face of the water. You have the Godhead involved in Genesis 1. It's right. It's right to worship 
God. It's right to give honor unto Jesus Christ because He was the Word. It's right because He existed on earth for our sins. One of the passages that was read this morning was from the book of Hebrews. He gave His life once for all. He died for our sins. Jesus did. We read about God committed His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ gave Himself up. The Philippian writer said He emptied Himself. He left heaven. All the glory of heaven, He came to this earth and He was fashioned as a man. And the temptation, He was tempted in every point like as we are. You know, that's a wonderful thing to think about. That's a separate lesson. But isn't that a wonderful thing to think about that Jesus Christ lived exactly where we live? And he was tempted in every point like as we are. The great thing about that is, though, he never did sin. And so he's our example that even if you're tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the vainglory of life, you don't give in to those things. You don't have to sin. I'm not saying we don't sin ever. I'm saying we don't have to. We can keep from doing that by attaching ourselves to the Lord and growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is this Jesus that we talk about so much? Well, He is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one that was crucified on the cross, as Peter said in Acts 2. You by the hand of lawless men and crucified and slain. He's the one that was made Lord in Christ, this Jesus whom they crucified. He's the one that's gave us the gospel. He's the one that said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. This is Jesus. And without Jesus, we wouldn't have anything, would we? So it's right to think about Jesus. Would you get your songbook out and turn to number 295? It won't be up here. You'll have to look at it with me. 295. I want you to think about these words. It's right to think this way because of what Jesus has done for us and without Him what we would not have. As we sing this song together. Without Him I could do nothing. Without Him I surely fail. Without Him I would be
And that's true, folks. Without Jesus, how lost we would be. So it's right to think about Jesus. It's right to give homage unto Jesus. It's right to sing melody in our heart unto Jesus. It's, remi- it's right to think about the death of Jesus Christ. It's right to think about the memorial. It's right to think about the fact that he shed his blood for us. It's right to think about the fact that a spear was pushed into his side. It's right to think about he left, he- left heaven for James Lusby and for you. And because of all that, it's right to obey the gospel. Because as I said a moment ago, when we obey the gospel, we shall be saved. And if we're faithful till we die, it's right to be faithful till we die. Because if we do, we'll receive the crown of life. It's right to fight the good fight, to finish the course, to keep the faith. For there's later for us a crown of righteousness, as Paul said. It's right to go to heaven, folks. It's right to do everything to get you there. It's right to be a child of God. It's right to have in our hearts the things of God. It's right to do the will of God. There's a right way to live, and that right way is always right. On the day of Pentecost, a group of people asked Peter, what must we do? And the rest of the apostles, of course. Because they had murdered the Son of God. I want you to think about this just for a moment. You think about the fact that these people had stood there at the cross and said, Crucify Him, crucify Him. At least that's the thinking they had that brought Him to the cross. And now they've been convinced that they murdered the Son of God. And they're pricked in their heart. They're cut to the quick. Have you ever been cut to the quick? If I were to put myself back in their shoes, I can just imagine how they, how they were feeling. I can't quite breathe. I've murdered the Son of God. What can I do about that? And so they asked Peter, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this wicked generation. And all of a sudden, rather than looking down how terrible things were, they look up and there's a smile on their face and they gladly received the word and they were baptized and the Lord added them to the saved, folks. It's right to be saved. And the Lord added them to the saved. You can be saved this morning from your sins. You'll do what the Lord tells you to do. You'll repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. You can arise and be baptized and wash away your sins as Saul was told to do. And if you've done that and something's happened in your life and you've turned away from the Lord or you've sinned, you can confess your sins and He's faithful and righteous to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what John said He would do in 1 John. It's right to do all that because you want to go to heaven when you die. The thinking of every one of us ought to be, I'm going to heaven if nobody else does. Now, hopefully, there'll be a lot of people that do, but I'm going to go. If everybody else doesn't want to go, I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I'll do whatever's necessary to get me there. Because, folks, heaven is just worth it all. You think about going to heaven. Have you ever walked on a street of gold? Have you ever walked on a street of gold? Neither have I, but I can hardly wait to get there. 
You think about walking on a street of gold and gazing on a jasper wall. You think about never having to cry a tear again. Is heaven worth it all? I see some of you saying it is. It is. Then you do whatever's necessary. You do what's right. Bible right is always right. You serve the Lord. You be faithful to your die, and he'll say, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You think about living in eternity with the Lord. How long is it going to last? Forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I could just go on forever. That's how long it's going to last. It's like stepping on a shore and find out it's heaven's shore. And the beautiful, wonderful place of Almighty God where He resides and Christ resides. And we can sing praises all the time. That's heaven, folks. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, will you do so today so you can live the kind of life as you rise to walk in newness of life, you can get, live that kind of life till you die? Will you commit your soul and well-doing to a faithful creator so you can go to heaven? That's the right thing for you to do. Oh, there are a lot of wonderful things on this earth. I understand that. God made the earth and he intended for us to enjoy it. But this world, as the song says, is not our home. We're just passing through. And that's the way we need to think. I'm going to do what's right because someday I'll have to give up this mortal coil. And someday I'm going to meet the Lord in the day of judgment. He'll judge me according to the things I've done in the body, whether they be good or bad. And I want them to be good because I want to go to heaven someday. And if I can help you get there, I'd love to. As together we stand and sing.